Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Cuts across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Predators' official podcast. The podcast officially done by the members of the Nashville Predators. That's us, Brooks Bratton, Thomas Willis. We are of NashvillePredators.com. This is ESPN 1025 The Game, or your cellular device, which you are listening to this very show, episode 98. I sound crystal clear. I'm back in the studio, back from the bubble. Thomas you, never you left. You had a month to come up with that intro, and that's what you went. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't the had, first thing on my mind. You had a month to think about it. Here we are. Here we are. Too bad. I, mean, I should have just tap danced across the table or something. That would have been fun. Sure. That would have really busted the doors down. We'd have to start video streaming these episodes <laughs> if you did that. <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping to not be back yet, but sure. I won't lie. It is good to be in the same studio again and not on an iPad, but uh, we've got lots to discuss. So as we know, of course, the season 2019-20, the 11-month journey that it turned into for the Nashville Predators has come to a close. We did a show, our show, episode 97 last week, just hours after the Predators had lost to the Arizona Coyotes in Game 4 in overtime, I was still in the bubble. It was still very fresh. And now we've had kind of a week to sit on everything. And we're going to unpack a lot as we did, I would say, as we do every year at this time. But we have only have done an episode like this once before last year after the Predators lost to the Dallas Stars. And there was certainly a lot to talk about. So since that loss, we have heard from David Poyle. We have heard from John Hines, a number of Predators players, on what happened over the past 11 months. We have a lot to get to and a lot to discuss. There are uh, some some changes, according to Predators General Manager David Poyle, that will be coming in the weeks and the months ahead. So we will get to the bottom of that. Also, Dan Hamhuis announcing his retirement. We'll touch on Hammer a little bit later in the show, but uh, Thomas, we're back, and uh, the Preds are back after their time in the bubble, a 3-1 series loss to Arizona. What do you think now that we we have had a week go by? We've heard from some power players in the, in the organization, and there's been lots to say over the last few days. There has been, and... I move on personally pretty quickly to what will change, what will we fix, what will look different for the team, for the organization, for this 2021 season that will also be strange. It won't be back to normal as we're accustomed to in the NHL. The current thinking is it could start in December. It could start in January. We don't even have a schedule or an official start date. That doesn't surprise me yet because the thought is, these 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs will go all the way until the first week of October. So at that rate, pretty quickly after that, we'll have the 2020 draft. That's scheduled for October 9th and 10th. Free agency will probably about that time. I would expect then the schedule drops at about that time. But the cause for delay is, will there be fans back in the arenas? Will there be 82 games? So with all those unknowns, it still makes me even more likely to move on to, okay, well, who's going to be on the second line? Okay, who's a free agent? Who's not? We we promised you a lot of those answers last episode and said, hey, it's, the season's been over for about two and a half hours. Give us some, some time to ask what I will say one more time. David Poyle is one of the most forthcoming general managers in the NHL. Mm-hmm. If you ask him a pointed question about a player, he'll probably tell you whether he's going to resign or trade that guy or what his thoughts are. And you don't get that from everybody. So it makes us better podcasters because we're able to communicate actual leadership and what they're thinking. And then we just had more time as well to to evaluate the play of different players and, and still a very new head coach in John Hines over Nashville. So that is this episode. And for that, I'm very excited. We'll get down even to the nitty gritty of lines and players and prospects and all of that in just a few moments. And as he often does, David Poyle began his end-of-season press conference with just comments and statements. And back to my comment on him being very open and forthcoming, 
he had about a eight to nine minute diatribe, a dialogue of recapping the entire season and setting the stage for us as local media and as covering this team for nationalpredators.com. And he just set the whole stage for then the questions to follow. And we don't have an interview this week, so not that we're trying to replace it with this, but buckle up. Yeah, you should hear this. This is worth it. Nine minutes uh, from David Poyle, Predators general manager here, on how he views the state of the Nashville Predators right now. The 1920 season, uh, this was uh, unique. Uh, A normal season is now turned into 11 months with a four-month pause, a 2014 uh, playoffs. Uh, It's just an experience that uh, we've never been through. And again, probably say for the second or third time, hope we don't have to do this, uh, this again. Uh, we all know that the 69 regular season games uh, that the Predators did play uh, did not go as we had hoped. Uh, the season was plagued with uh, lots of inconsistencies, uh, lots of ups and downs from a team team basis and an, and an individual basis. In my mind, uh, something that kind of typified or I guess you'd say symbolized our, our season was the Winter Classic. Uh, obviously playing on the biggest stage for a regular season game on January 1st against the rival Dallas who had beaten us the previous years in the playoffs and it was a it was a big game we had friends there family there national tv and uh, you know we got off to a great start in that game we led to nothing but as happened many times in the year we couldn't handle the pushback from from dallas and we lost that game uh uh, four four two and uh it just seemed to be typical of the the highs and lows of our our season um obviously some of our individual players did not produce uh this season the way uh, they or we wanted or or needed and uh on, uh in january i made made a coaching change bringing in john hines john went 16 11 and, and one during his time again it was a unique time uh, mid-season changes are always a challenge and uh, if you remember the day john was hired it was the first day he, he coached so it wasn't perfect and then came the tornadoes and then the pandemic and then the pause the pause actually uh, gave us a, a second chance on this season. Something you know, often you, you I guess you wish for, uh, but on the, and you never actually get. But we got it. But uh, it was you know a chance to sort of like wash away, if you will, things that hadn't worked. A chance for uh, John Hines to get to uh, know his players uh, individually better uh, as a group, and for individual players to put the regular season behind them and refocus and start fresh. And fortunately, we did not take advantage of our second chance. Um, in our series with uh, Arizona, we can point to a lot of things that were very good, a lot of things that we were better than them in the qualifying round. But the bottom line, as we all know, is that we lost to them. You know, we lost in three three games to a team that we fully believed that we were better than. So, obviously, this is very disappointing, and it's. Bottom line, this is this is unacceptable, and this is how we have to view this this result: is that we have to be better, and it's not not acceptable. I congratulate the Coyotes on, on the series. I mean, they made the plays, they got the saves. We we didn't, and they deserve to move on. So where I stand right now is like the trends in the last two years in the regular season, the playoffs have, have not been going in the right direction. Uh, I mean, we believe, I believe, we have plenty of good players. But obviously, they've not come together to uh, produce the results that we all all desire. So, so it's very clear to me that we we need to make some changes. It was very clear to me as we played the 1920 season that we needed to make some changes, and I recognize that. And the first of those changes was bringing in John John Hines to coach our our team. We need to get back to our identity. We need to have to start playing as we used to call it the predator way predator culture we have to become the hardest team working team in the league we have to play with more passion we have to play with more determination urgency we have to re- have a refuse to lose attitude um, my job is to assess evaluate and, and to work with uh, john to identify how we can get better and play the game the way he believes will lead to success I've got to provide John with some players that fit into his beliefs, into his his system. And I can't sit here today and just tell you exactly what these changes are going to be in the next couple of months. All I can say, and we'll say at this time, that all options are on the table to make our team better for the 2021 season. As I say that, uh, 
And before I get down to it's, you know, it's easy to pile on and to be negative at this time of year. I do have still a lot of belief in our organization and our, our players. I mean, starting with our captain, Roman Yossi. Roman uh, is up for the Norris Trophy and, in my mind, uh, should win the Norris Trophy. His partner, Ryan Ellis, formed one of the best pairs in the National Hockey League. Matthias Ekholm and Fabro, who took a huge step in this uh, play and give us a, a, a top four that's as good as any any top four in the National Hockey League. In goal, UC Saros took a huge step this year to uh, uh, play uh, most of the games down the stretch and obviously all the games in the in the play-in. I still believe in Pekka Rene. I think Pekka still has a, a lot of good good game. And I think with Saros as a young guy and Pekka as the older guy, they form a, a great uh, a great tan tandem. A lot of people want to say, you know, you're number one, number two. I like to refer to it as we have a 1A and, and 1B. And I look for great competition at goaltending next year and I look for great goaltending. I think we, we have that. I'm excited about the fact that uh, John reunited our top line of uh, Forsberg, Johansson and Arvidsson and I'm excited of how they all played. I think you could point to uh, uh, to them having some some of the ups and downs that I referred to earlier in the year and the inconsistencies but Philip Forsberg played like a star. Joey played like a number one center and a healthy Victor Arvidsson was scoring scoring again. This gives me, you know, great uh, confidence uh, going forward. In Milwaukee, uh, the cupboard is getting uh, a little bit more full down there. They were the number one team in the AHL, led by the AHL coach of the year, Carl Taylor. We have a good goaltender prospect in Connor Ingram that we signed to a three-year uh, contract, and we think the future is bright for him becoming an NHL goaltender eventually. We have a couple of young defensemen that are going to buy for positions on our team next year in-house. Alex Carrier that you got to see a little bit of in the past uh, couple of years. Jeremy Davies, who we, we got in the P.K. Subban trade. These guys are getting close to being able to play. On the forward position, uh, Ely Tolvanen, our former first-round pick, uh, certainly is going to get a, a great opportunity to play on our team on a regular basis based on his his progress, maturity, and and uh, John got a chance to see him during the pause. Uh, have a couple other young players like uh, Trennan who played up here a little bit this, this year, but certainly should be more of a full-time player. A couple of younger guys like him coming into the lineup, bigger, stronger, uh, a little bit of physicality. Rem Pitlick. Is another guy that's got some some talent. So, you know, we're certainly going to be giving these guys opportunities at training camp. And probably our best player uh, is in junior, Philip uh, Tomasino, who was also at our training camp. And uh, again, not to be repetitive, but he's only 19 years of age, but I think he's got an excellent chance of, of uh, vying for a shot on our team this, this year. So there's going to be some, you know, some changes made. Uh, the third, I guess, component of all of this is the entry draft that's going to take place in October. We didn't win the lottery the other day, but we went from 17 to, to 11. 11 has a good ring to that uh, to me because that's when we we uh, got Ryan Ellis uh, and also we didn't draft him, but taking 11 with Philip Forsberg, uh, talking to Jeff Kelty and going over our, our list. There's no question we're going to get a top player. I can tell you right now, uh, it's, I could give you three names, and I know 100% sure we're going to get one of those guys, and we're going to be very satisfied with that that player and his potential um, down the road. We've got uh, two second-round picks, two third-round picks, so this is a big year for us in the in the draft. So, in in summary, I mean, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, we're going to look at our, our current roster. Uh, we're, we're, some players are not going to be brought back, and we will consider all avenues to to improve our team. So. So bottom line, if you're hearing what I'm saying is that we're, we're not satisfied. Uh, we're going to make some changes. Um, my mandate, uh, myself and our management group is that we have to manage better. My mandate to John and his coaching staff is they have to coach better. And my mandate to the players is they have to play better. And we got to, all three groups have to do this to be where we want to be and to be not having this kind of recap in the, in the future. That was National Predators General Manager David Poyle, not mincing words. Just a, a couple of days ago, those were his final closing statements. And Brooks, let's quickly recap the, the key parts to hold with you as we go into our second segment. First off, the complete you know lack of satisfaction with exiting effectively prior to the playoffs. Technically making the postseason in the Stanley Cup qualifiers, but not being in the first round, a place the Predators have been the previous five seasons, all in a row. 
and they were dissatisfied going back to last year, candidly as well, in the 2019 first round series against the Dallas Stars. Um, David Poyle also said in some of those comments, he said for him that the season was kind of made up in the Winter Classic, just to be on such a big stage, to have the lead, two to nothing in that game, and then just to watch thing, different things go wrong. One thing here, one thing there, and you lose such a big game. And that, in no small way, probably led in part to the coaching change as well. But to him, it's been about 18 months or so of not being what he wants. And he was very clear about that. I agree with him. You shouldn't be satisfied with where this team is. And so because of that, he said, all changes are on the table. That means roster. That even means management to a certain extent. And because of that, it really sounds like we're going to have several players who played for this 2019-20 iteration of the National Predators not be back. And to summarize what it sounds like a lot of the changes are coming from, youth. I mean, he mentioned specifically Milwaukee Admirals, prospects, even Philip Tomasino who's only 19 years of age. And then the later draft picks, I would not expect really any of those to make this team immediately, even number 11. But... When you say that many times that players will not be back and then you pivot toward talking about the youth movement, seems like there's going to be several different players, especially at forward and, and, and on defense, that we will see different for this 2021 season. Yeah, I think bottom line, and as you mentioned and you heard David say, he said m- multiple times that we have to make some changes. And where that where those come from, that will be up to him to decide in the coming weeks and months ahead. There will be opportunities, of course, at the draft, in free agency. Do you explore trades? Are there players that you're not re-signing? Are there players that you're looking to bring in? And And we'll get into more of this in just a bit. But there's a lot of different ways that you can do this, but it's I don't know that any avenue is necessarily easy. I don't know if there's something that you point to and say, if we, well, yeah, we can make this trade right now. I don't know that there's anything like that as of yet, but I think if anything, if we've learned anything over the years, it's that uh, David Poyle is certainly not afraid to do something to shake up his mm-hmm. roster. And so hearing him say, those kinds of things with that kind of tone, I don't know that it's a guarantee that something drastic would happen, but you never know. There, There's some times that we expect a big deal gets made and it does happen. There are other times we think it'll happen and it doesn't. There's times where we're completely caught off guard and you never see something coming and then it happens. So again, we, we thought it was important to hear from the GM and and hear what he has to say as you said Thomas he's one of the most forthcoming GMs in the NHL and I think that gives you a pretty good idea of where the front office of this organization feels that this team is right now it's not all doom and gloom and we'll there's we'll get to more of that in just a minute as well uh, but it's not good enough and and that's the message right now and uh, those in charge certainly know that there need to be changes and uh, stay tuned because it sure sounds like that something is going to come down the line here and, and this team is going to look, I don't know that you could say drastically different, but it's going to look different whenever the puck does drop again. Let's dive deeper into some of those potential solutions and also hear from still new head coach John Hines and his recap of his tenure, which began in January earlier in this year of the 2019-20 season. That's all next on the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. And they say, there goes the last great American dynasty. Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. It's streaming right now on the Game Nashville app. For more about the show, to rate, subscribe, to listen to past episodes, go to nashvillepredators.com slash podcast for brooks i'm thomas maxi maxwell maximilian our producer as <laughs> always lots changed since the last time i was in this studio like taylor swift releasing a new album sure i know there will be people listening to this being like really? i stole your chair while you were gone so you did you did i get the green mic which is my favorite color i know people will be like really you're listening to taylor swift? yes i am listening to taylor swift thanks very much well there's always at least one person that's going to say sure. really for what about anything that you do no matter anything that i do anything can't do anything anything so let's dive into some of these potential changes for the preds roster for next season and let's touch on, we, we did this a little bit last episode, so I won't belabor it, but let's go at each position, the big unrestricted free agents. Craig Smith, Macau Granlin, th- those are the two at forward. Colin Blackwell put him in, in the list as well. 
Yakov Trinan is a restricted free agent. And a for simple terms, that just means he's going to be a little bit easier to re-sign. And you heard in Poyle's comments that he thinks of him probably as a full-time player next season. So I'd say count mm-hmm. on Yakov Trinan coming back. On defense, Corbinian Holzer, Yannick Weber, and then Dan Hamus, who's mentioned, has now retired. He was an unrestricted free agent as well. So he's out of the picture um, additionally. But they still have five guys already signed for next year on de- on defense. So Jared Tenorti has one more year on his deal. And then goaltending sounds like it's pretty much set if you listen to Poyle. Soros seemingly coming in as the starter, probably getting 60-65 games. But he does say that there could be some level of competition. Pecorine entering his final year of his contract and maybe his final year in the NHL. Um, but you know he's got the potential to push Soros at the very least, and who knows? Maybe he could even regain the the starting point in net. So, sure. well, Poyle and Poyle says looking at them as a one A one B type deal. Yeah, that so, he was encouraged from the series and yeah. what, and what he saw. So I think that's good to see. So David Poyle also said later on that, especially in the series, but maybe more so in the up and down portion of the season that the second line on, on the forward group was something that just did not get it done, that did not deliver what they thought that it could. And I think that goes back to his comment of saying, we feel like we have a lot of talented players in the right positions, but they're just not playing like it. They're not delivering like we thought that they would. And I think that really touches on the second line. He went on to say that Matthew Shane had just an okay year at best, and he owned that and admitted to that. But then they saw him perform a little bit better, especially in game four of the qualifying round. And they think that, he will be fine going on. He will be centering the second line. I think you can count on that um, with Johansson, Forsberg, and Arvidsson on the first line, as we heard. But in the past, it was Mikhail Granlund on one of his wings. It was Kyle Turris on one of his wings. At, at a time, we had Duchesne, Forsberg, and Granlund. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. And um, David Poyle specifically said, as one example, that he could see Ellie Tolvanen being on the second line with Matt Duchesne. Um, to me, that all goes into saying that I'd, I'd categorize it as improbable that Mikhail Granlin and Craig Smith are back with the National Predators next year. Now, anything is possible. David Poyle said that they will touch base with their agents in the coming weeks to see if there's desire on their side, if there's desire on Nashville's side. But if you're putting Ellie Tolvanen on the second line, if you're talking so much about youth, I think starting with the forwards, I just don't know that we see Granlin and or Smith back. Well, and the cap is going to sit at 81.5, right? I, I so should start with that. So the Predators, as yeah. of this recording, have $9.3 million available. That's with 10 forwards, five defensemen, two goaltenders. So that's not counting. Like when you recall an Ellie Tolvanen, yes, he's already signed. Yes, he's under a million, but he would count. And then we'll get into the defense in a second. But a Jeremy Davies and Alex Carey, they count. So yeah. you really have even less than nine as of this recording. Yeah. And of course, Romaniosi's new deal is kicking in. Yeah. So we we've heard for the last couple of seasons, and especially now's the time. We know that you're going to need contributions from young players on entry level contracts at some point. You've seen that with Dante Fabro already being able to step in with Matias Ekholm, and again with the cap sitting at eighty one point five for the twenty 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 one season. Now's the time to take a chance on some of those younger players. The Predators think that some of those guys are capable of doing that and quite frankly they're going they're going to need at least a couple of them I think to be able to do that to your point I just don't see how Mikhail Granlin and Craig Smith would be back I think yeah. maybe one of them could be cut Mikhail Granlin for context made 5.75 that was his cabinet so roughly six million dollars I mean that's virtually all that you have available and then Craig Smith was 425 so mm-hmm. virtually four so I mean, even if you just gave them equal money, you could not resign both of them. So it's at the very least just one. And again, I think probably probably neither. Sure. And Granlin, yeah, if this plays into it, Granlin's been here a year and a half. Craig Smith's been here his entire career. So mm-hmm. do you have a guy who says, yeah, I'm willing to stay and, and continue right. to play here and take less money? Maybe. And then I could see the other side of it just quickly in the sense that Grainland saw his ice time increase about two and a half minutes per game under Hines, so gave him more of a chance, liked him more. He's also a few years younger than Craig Smith. Now, I'm I'm no one to be here calling someone at 31 old, but <laughs> that's that's the part of life that we're in these days. Uh-huh. And, and so, does that you know add a level to it as well? And so, um, it'll be interesting to see. I think you need to free up both of them. And it's a big ask. It's a big ask for Ellie Tolvanen to put him on, I mean, the second line. That's asking him to play 17, 18 minutes per yeah. night. And he's played, well, I'm just off the top of my head, I mean, definitely under 10 NHL games in, in his career. He had a short stint last season where he uh, scored his first goal. 
in the NHL. But, I mean, he's not a full-time player. He was drafted in 2017. Like, the development's been there. I think he's on that cusp. Mm-hmm. But still, that that's a pretty big ask. So, for the rest of the lineup, you're pretty much filled out, assuming Yakov Trinin now comes into the bottom six, probably. You would think so. I don't see him as a top six guy. For me, the larger question is who else is on the second line? I could be Kyle Turris if you choose to keep him. He's got several more years on his deal. I don't know if this is maybe reading too much into David Poyle's comments, but he called Philip Tomasino the best prospect. Frank, is essentially what he said. He's like, one of our best guys in the system is Philip Tomasino at 19 years of age. Traditionally, I would be giving him one more year if I were a management of an NHL team. But what do you do? I mean, there's, there's so many other examples these years of high draft picks because he was a first-round pick very recently being put in a position to succeed and just seeing what happens. So I, I am reading a little bit into that. They liked him enough to bring him in for this modified return-to-play training camp, even though he was not on the final roster. They're going to give him another chance. So is he your answer on the second line? Maybe. Is it then Kyle Turris? I don't think so because I think you want it to be a different setup, but it could be. And then we'll see what happens in the free agency market. I, I don't want you steering off the, the side of the road right now. Someone would try to tell you that Taylor Hall is a UFA and he would be perfect. <laughs> I think, yes, he would be a great player and would be a great fill-in yeah. on the second line, but it just goes back to what we just said. I mean, Taylor Hall is going to want a minimum of $7 million, $6, 7000000 million. Oh, at least. And that's all you've got. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that, that's, that's your whole space right now. So I think it's going to be a lot of looking from within to, to fix this on the forward group. And I think that can be a good thing because, remember this, the Milwaukee Admirals just finished as the first team in the American Hockey League mm-hmm. playing a, ve- a system very similar to the Nashville Predators. So you could see a, a good transition, one that makes this team better. And I think it goes back to Paul's comments of wanting more commitment, wanting playing like this franchise has in the past. It's easier to shape the young minds and have them in your way than a veteran. When Mikhail Granlin was traded for just about 18 months ago, wasn't that long ago, it was supposedly such a one-sided trade that it in some ways might have led to GM Paul Fenton getting fired in Minnesota, was just said, oh, this is not even close. David Poyle is running circles. The talent of Granlin was so much better than Kevin Fiala. That was a one-for-one deal, as you remember. And Granlin, great player, just never quite fit, per se. So I think that goes to show you as well, maybe some of these younger guys, maybe some of these prospects will be better in that context. For sure. So we'll we'll see. Lots of maybes. It's, lots yeah. lots of maybes there. Lots of maybes. Lo- lots of stuff. I mean, we are still in the grand scheme of the off season. We are still so fresh. We got two months of, to go. Off yeah. of what happened. Yeah. So let's let's touch on the defense quickly. Um, the expectation is, I think the third pairing is probably is what looks different. You heard Poyle say, Ellis and Yossi maybe the best pairing in the league. You're not changing that. Ekholm about the same this year. Maybe a little below what he's used to. And then Dante Fabro, I think he's very much a work in progress, but certainly better than he was last year. But that's the question. Is he able to take the leap up into making that a true NHL-level top four? I think that's another big betting point that David Boyle is trying to make here is to say, is Fabro going to be good enough? But he specifically mentioned two Milwaukee Admirals, two guys, one that the Predators have had for a very long time, one that they just traded for pretty recently in the P.K. Subban deal in Alex Carrier and Jeremy Davies. Sounds like they could get a shot to make this third pair something um, that the Predators have not relied on. I'll remind you of this. In Game 3, when the Predators were trailing in the third period, John Hines played his first two pairings, and that was it. I mean, you did not see Jared Tenorti and Yannick Weber on the ice at all. And because of that, that's up to Poyle and his team to give something that Hines can rely on more Maybe it's those two guys. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a, a player you trade for or sign. Well, and I think there's always a potential. There always seems to be every summer a a situation where if you think you need it, and maybe the Predators look this route as well, where you can go out and get a Yannick Weber, a Matt Irwin, a Dan Hamhuis type of player. Those players will be available too if you think, hey, maybe I'd like one more veteran guy in here mm-hmm. that can be a five, six, seven defenseman. And they kind of have that in Jared Tenorti. I think, as you said, one more year. I think Tenorti would be up here again probably next year. I, I do think that they liked a lot of what yeah, they saw yeah. from him, and they know that he's not going to get 20 minutes a night. Uh, but I think in the right situation, He's he's a guy that you can rely upon too. So, uh, yeah, I, I think as as we've said, the youth movement it's coming in the forward group, and it's probably coming in the back end too, mm-hmm. in the form of some of those five, six, seven, eight defensemen on the depth chart. And we covered this on a podcast, who knows, months ago. 
But in the P.K. Subban trade, the Predators were pretty upfront about saying Jeremy Davies is the piece that they wanted in return. Mm-hmm. It was not Steven Santini, who you've seen. He's in the Milwaukee Admirals organization. After he was assigned there, he'll probably be there again next year. It was Davies whom they wanted. So whether he's ready or not, I mean, the guy hasn't played in the NHL yet, so that's a pretty big ask. But you've just seen so many different teams. And to me, it seems like the philosophy changed a bit when the Golden Knights came into the NHL. And by that, I mean William Carlson was the guy, right, that was in the Blue Jackets organization. I know this is only one example, but he was just a third-line center. Fewer than 10 goals, fewer than 15 minutes a night, that's who he is. He gets an opportunity turns into a first-line center for them, especially that year, and has been adequate this year as well. It's still a top-six guy for them. So I think there's been a greater or a recommitment to NHL teams just in general saying, you know what, maybe let's not assume that we know exactly what we have in a guy. Maybe if he is put in a different opportunity or has more minutes, he can deliver. And and this is a, a small example as well, but Colton Sissons should not be a first-line center. But when he was thrust upon or into that role in 2017, scored a hat trick in Game Six and helped win the Western Conference. So, I, I think it just goes to show that if you shift guys around, maybe you don't know exactly what you have, and and maybe we see that with Nashville. I agree with you. I, I think just going with Davies and Carey feels like probably unlikely. Like there's probably some other piece. Maybe that is just Tenorti, or maybe that's some other guy that you uh, acquire as well. And then finally on the goaltending. Seems like, I know that people want to say, like, oh, you know, they lost the series, therefore we should reevaluate everything. But I think you have to feel pretty good about Yusei Saros and his progression into being a, a starter in the full-time role in uh, the Nashville net. He took it over in fe- late February, March, set one of the longest franchise shutout streaks, and, and I, think you, I think you see more of that. I, I said this on last week's episode, but I take away from the playoff series the Jofa line is back when Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg have that renewed focus and intentionality, which they did, and then a healthy Victor Arvidsson, that actually is one of the best lines in the NHL. We couldn't have said that. We can say that again. I also think you can say, well, you can also say <laughs> Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis are utterly fantastic. But then in net, which is the point I'm trying to make, I think you can say that you can feel UC Saros is certainly good enough that he would not be an issue for this team going forward if he is their starter. Connor Ingram has a new three-year deal. Yes, Doesn't mean he'll be mention. up here this season, but Pecorino only has one left on his. That'll be a question mark at the end of next season. But the Preds are also very high on Connor Ingram too. So uh, not a whole lot of issues in net right now, I would argue. I think that the Predators are pretty satisfied there. Not that they wouldn't always look in the draft. I think they usually like to try to take a goaltender in the draft every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far in the near term, Yep. Things are looking A-OK in that. Do you want to get to Heinz now, or Let, should we move? Should we should we adapt on yes, the fly? Yes, we, we were not trying to be dishonest, or I was not trying to be dishonest when I told you you'd hear from John Heinz <laughs> in this segment. Let, let's save it. Um, you for, know somebody's like, gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah, Someone's you turned said. off the podcast. We're not, we're not doing the thing, hey, weather coming up, weather coming up, <laughs> weather coming up, weather, the we- hey, the weather's coming. We weren't doing that. Better yet. Traffic and weather together. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, that's just, that is an absolute goldmine. We, we were not trying to, <laughs> to do that to you. If you're in Nashville, it's hot. Yes, yes. We will, we will hear from, <laughs> from head coach John Hines um, and his thoughts on the, I guess, just the 2020 season for him since he was not here in 2019, or at least not in Nashville, and what he thinks needs to change and improve going forward. That's next on the POP, the Brett's official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Time to move on. It's time to get going, Thomas. We're halfway through episode 98, segment three of the Preds official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. It's an appropriate tune for this time of year. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers always down for one of those jams. I must peel back the curtain a bit for the listeners. Sometimes we just start a song from the beginning. And I mean, Brooks picks 90% of the music that we're going to play on this show. And 
producer Max will just start it from the beginning, and I don't know when the segment's going to begin. I just, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I'm just like bopping my head. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. That's we, we get through the second chorus, and then he brings it. <laughs> See, that's always kind of fun for me because a lot of the songs, you're like, where is this going? I don't know what's coming next, and it's fun to watch you. You know interact. what? I do know what's coming next. It's head coach John Hines audio previously promised to you yes. in a past segment. Here are his thoughts somewhat on the mental fortitude aspect, something of what the changes he saw in his first season in Nashville. When we came back after the pause, uh, there was a different feel around the team. It was, there was more, more energy, uh, more passion. The practices were, uh, the guys worked, uh, you know, they were ready to go every day. Uh, you could see the belief in the identity, the belief in each other. It changed, and and I think that was one of the things that is 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 uh, I think a positive moving forward. That it was it was a different group. It was a different atmosphere, a different culture, uh, more work based, and, uh, and 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 much more together. And you know, from that standpoint, uh, that's a big step. You have to be able to win off the ice uh, as well as win on the ice, and I think that's that's really going in, in a good direction. See, the reason I wanted to play that clip is because, yes, we all know the Predators didn't achieve the desired result, but it can't be all doom and gloom. You have to find something to build on in these situations, and this is one of those areas. Take it back to David Poyle's comment saying, we need to get back to that Predators culture, the Predator way, if you will. And this is kind of what Hines is saying here. When he came back into training camp, it's tough on players when you go through what they go through in the middle of the season with a coaching change. Mm-hmm. And things aren't going right. Things aren't going the way you want them to. The change in attitude is a good thing. And again, it didn't yield what you wanted it to produce over these last couple of weeks, but it's a step in the right direction. And you can't approach this offseason all doom and gloom. Everything needs to be changed. Blow it up. Because that, that, that's not the case, Right. You need changes, yes, yeah, but there's still something there. The number one thing that I see from the naysayers is head coach John Hines, like, is he the right answer? Doesn't seem like he's the right answer. Like, doesn't seem like he's the right coach. And first off, we don't know the answer to that yet. I mean, he hasn't even had an entire season, so so pump the brakes on that a little bit. But I just would remind, and this is me just taking removing myself a bit from the situation, I would remind you of earlier this season. I would remind you of the end of last season in this series against Dallas where there were so many holes in the Predators game, especially in the mental aspect of where you'd be like, great, if they fall behind one nothing in a game, there is just no way they're going to win. And no question, the series against Arizona did not go the way that you wanted it to in the final results. But can you remove yourself a little bit and think the actual – product on the ice in the actual game even with players that are going to change and maybe weren't ideal it certainly was better than it was in april 2019 Mm -hmm. in the preds last playoff series there were games where they should have won and i am never the person to play woulda coulda shoulda because it's dumb you can't debate hypothetical sports but i'm sitting there watching game three and the predators are we think up two to one in the third period against the coyotes and i'm thinking to myself they're going to win this series the goal of course by kyle turris called back for offside but I just don't have revisionist history and be like, yeah, the series wasn't even close. They lost in four games. Like, mm. no, this was a better product. I, I take hope and confidence in that, that there has been some progress made. We couldn't say that 18 months ago. We couldn't. What a beautiful segue that was. Because immediately follow, it's like you've done this before, following the loss in game four, Ryan Ellis, and we talked about this last week, said that this felt different than last year's playoff loss to Dallas. Even though the Predators lost to Arizona this time around, there was still a belief that the team did a lot of good things. And then Nick Benino was asked about that a few days ago and finding that balance between losing and still finding something good in all of it. Here's what Benino had to say. You know, after we lost to Dallas, uh, you can ask these guys, it was pretty uh, pretty silent, pretty dejected locker room. I think we weren't happy at all with with how we played, we, we deserved what we got. And, um, you know, we knew a lot of things had to change. <clears throat> I think this year, uh, just watching the series as, as a fan, as media, as coaches, and, and looking back as players, I think, you know, we showed up, we, we played hard, we had a better system. Um, everybody individually played better. Uh, than we did last year so it's it's definitely easier to to be proud of it but but like yo said you know a loss is a loss it's uh 
maybe at the beginning of the year when you're going through, uh, you know, the first 10, 20 games, moral victories are okay. You know, you play well, but you lose, you know, it's going to come around and that stings in the playoffs because we ran out of time. So, um, obviously we missed something. It wasn't enough what we did, but, uh, I think we're all happier with how we played, but obviously not happy with, uh, with the end result. Again, I still take solace in that. I, I still think that's encouraging. And this full of video from Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg and Nick Benino is on nationalwriters.com if you want to watch the whole thing. Nick Benino remains an incredibly insightful interview. Um, he is probably one of the more candid and forthcoming Predators players. And you and I are still trying to learn the different elements, the deeper elements of the systems of the game. And he gave a really interesting answer on just how the system works, how it changed in the season under LaViolette to then going under Hines, how they switch off on defense. I, I'd look that up just mm-hmm. just in general. That, yes, the systems and then the answer as well, which I wish we had more time to play right. things. But he also talked about paying attention to the little things, watching different video and yeah. different kinds of meetings. Blocking shots, for yeah. example. He said he never had a coach that was like, let's watch video of how these are the best ways to block shots. So some very interesting answers from that. And I know it's easy on Twitter to come up with like, well... Didn't seem like they were mentally tough enough because they lost, but um, I still think there was progress. And, and I think if you want to be honest, maybe the Predators were at a lower point than we realized over the last two years. And mm-hmm. hopefully this is the start of them digging out of it. And, and, and I take some encouragement in that. And I think listening to some of those answers by, by Benino, you might as well. Absolutely. I, I think the main, again, I think the main takeaways from all of this is the overriding theme is it's not good enough. And yeah. and every team when and and you know, you can say this every year, what it comes down to is every team and there are some teams at the beginning of the season that know that we're probably not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to be lottery teams. But for the most part, the majority of teams in the National Hockey League start their season saying, We've got a legitimate chance at this. And the unfortunate part of it is, is there are 31 teams every year, soon to be 32, who are trying for this. When it is 32 and Seattle is playing in a couple of years, there will be 31 teams who are having the same conversations at Mm -hmm. the end of every year. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? How do we get better? This isn't good enough. And and that's, that's what you have to find the balance in is to realize that and and David Poyle has said it, we've said it on this show time and time again, you know, it, it is important sometimes to realize that there is another team on the other bench yeah. who is also trying to win. And I'm right. not trying to make excuses, but I do think that it is important. It, it, it's easy, especially in the moment, in, in the, the hours and the days immediately following whatever the end is, however it happens. It's so easy to be negative and say, trade everybody, fire everybody. <laughs> right. And that's just not feasible. Yeah. That's just not how it works. And there, there are 30 other teams who are saying the same thing, that we fell short of our goal. This isn't good enough. How do we get better? I would say there are a few things in this world that have a 90-plus percent chance that you will technically fail in, that you invest as much time and effort. Only mm-hmm. one team gets to win, and yet you and I are doing this podcast, the Predators management, the players. I mean, the chances are they will not win. But to me, it comes back to a simple eye test. Like, I want to see next year, even if next year's not the year either that the Predators win the Stanley Cup. But I want to see just on a simple eye test on the ice that the effort's there, that the the will to be able to beat anybody is there. Because I was saying to you the other day that I was frustrated in the sense that if the Predators had beaten the Coyotes, which we think that they should have in some ways, they would have matched up against the Stars, and they probably would have beaten the Stars. But do I think that they are back to the level where they used to be with an Avalanche or a Golden Knights, who are probably the two best teams in the West right now? They were a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they have been the last couple of years. So that is my hope that these changes, that these new players, that you're back on that trajectory, that you're back on that track. And that's that's the hope. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be that simple. But at least it's been acknowledged. At least it looks like cha- changes are certainly coming. It is not going to be the same group overall. And I think you want to have the same main group. I think the talent is still there. I'll say that one more time. Johansson, Arvidsson, Forsberg, I want that to be in my top six. Duchesne, I want those four players in my, in my top six. I want Ryan Ellis... I want Matias Eklund, I want Roman Yossi in my defense, and I feel good about the goaltending. 
team after team. Washington Capitals in 2018, St. Louis Blues in 2019. The St. Louis Blues had the same core group for, what, a decade? I'm like, I don't think that's even an exaggeration. You tinker here, you bring in some youth here, you change a few things there, you end up winning the Stanley Cup. So I think don't walk away from this being like, well, if they don't get rid of, if they don't blow the whole thing up, they'll never win. That is not the case, but it takes the mentality, it takes the change in the focus, it takes the change in the personnel and you can win the Stanley Cup. So much of it comes back to music for me, as Brandon Flowers of the Killers says in the song Battleborn, the season may pass, but the dream doesn't die, and you've got to keep on keeping on. We will do that when we come back. We will look back with a bit of a tribute for Dan Hamhuis, the now-retired Predators defenseman. That is next as we wrap things up here on the POP on ESPN 1025 The Game. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. Fred's official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Brooks is humming again. We're streaming on <laughs> The Game Nashville app. For more about the show, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. For Brooks Braden, I'm Thomas Willis, the two of us of NashvillePredators.com in this very show, which has now reached 98 episodes. And 98 minutes, it feels and 98 minutes. <laughs> you know someone who played more than 98 games in the NHL? Why? This is a terrible transition. Dan Hamus <laughs> played more than 1,116 seasons. You and I are just completing our sixth season. Yeah. So he's easily he's been around a while. There. He's been around we, a while. We were in middle school when he first started. That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. And he has old. officially announced his retirement saying this on TSN. Yeah, we did want to uh, touch on Hammer. He said, I'm happily going into a retirement now from hockey. I feel really at peace with it. In March, when the season closed down, we didn't have a year-end party or anything. We just kind of scattered. And I was like, well, if that's it, that's it. I was at peace with it then. And quote, he is at peace with it now. And Dan Hamhuis officially hanging it up after those 16 seasons. Hammer was great to work with. And we had him on the podcast twice, the first time talking about mentoring Dante Favreau, which I think honestly will probably be his lasting legacy, the second stint here Mm -hmm. in Nashville. He comes in as the older guy, the veteran guy on the blue line, and really took Dante under his wing. They had taco night. I mean, that's just going to make you a better player. Many Multiple taco nights and game nights with the the Favreau clan there. And when Rem Pitlick was up here, remember, Rem was... Hanging out of the, uh, the Hamuse the Hamuse residence as well. No, Dan was, uh, and I wrote this in the story online. Very soft spoken off the ice, but had a mean hip check on the ice, and and was still a guy that you can you could count on even later in his career. Did get some uh, admirable playing time here in his last two seasons here in Nashville. So it's always kind of sad when a guy retires and. Uh, you know, again, just a, just a great guy to deal with. I'm glad that you and I kind of got to know him a little bit as he wrapped his career here up in Nashville. So know that he's looking forward to being a dad, being a husband full-time in this next little bit. He did say that he may like to get back into hockey and a perhaps a coach or development-type role. He he really does enjoy the game, and he wouldn't mind doing that. But you know that he is going to enjoy spending time with his wife, Sarah, and his three daughters in the next little bit here. So all the best to him. And our manager of hockey operations, Brandon Walker, told a great story on Twitter about one year at Christmas during his first stint here, uh, back in the mid-2000s, I guess it was, there was a need for some uh, some gift cards for some needy families at Christmas time. Nobody asked him to do it. He literally showed up at practice one day with a shopping bag full of gift cards from Target. And apparently Brandon said that he had that Dan had stood at the self-checkout line yeah. and personally scanned every single card, said he was there for hours scanning cards. <laughs> But yeah. it's it's things That's like cool. that that maybe you don't hear of, uh, but guys like that are more than willing to do it, and they don't need any publicity on it. Uh, but Dan was a great guy and and a great career, of course, and we're glad that we got the chance to know him here in Nashville. So all the best to Hammer in, in the future. We really appreciated getting to know him. From number five to a 5K, a virtual 5K, not oh, like Michael Scott. It is done. not 5,000 miles. <laughs> so Michael Scott fun run. <laughs> not, I had more. Fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> this race will not be 5,000 miles. It will be 3.1 miles because it will be a 5K. But <laughs> check out the Predators 2020 Virtual Fantastic 5K presented by Intellicentrics. Virtual, you ask, what does that mean? That means you actually run 
just means you do it on your own and you don't do it around as many people. No cheating. No cheating. It's actually a month from today as we record this. Coming up September the 14th through September the 20th. So you have time to get your 3.1 miles. Mm. Go to nationalbrothers.com slash 5K to sign up. Here's what you get. Honesty. Honesty policy here. Swag. You you get a medal. So, like, you got to actually run it. Be Mm -hmm. be honest with yourself. You get a finisher's medal, a commemorative T-shirt, and a ticket discount to a future Preds game. Virtual 5K, September 14th. Go ahead and sign up. Be like, be, be like Dan Hamuse and in honor of his 1,100 games, run 5,000 miles for him. Or just do your best Michael Scott impression. It all or works. Just, yeah. yeah, either way. Uh, we do have, as, as promised, you give us a five-star review, we'll read it. There's two that I want. we wanted to get <laughs> you to. Just, Nothing, if you leave us a five-star review, we'll read I it. I guess we'll do it. No, <laughs> Yikes. We, we really, no, we really do appreciate these. Uh, this appears to be an addition. I think this is loyal listener Rich. I'm, I, I think this is who this is. Uh, but he says, adding on to this review, Brooks oh. and Thomas have done an excellent job providing content during the season pause. They have kept fans up to date and snagged some great interviews. It is exciting to finally hear them speaking about actual hockey games in the exhibition and playoffs. Thanks, guys. You are welcome, loyal listener. Rich, I think. Again, pretty sure that's who that is. <laughs> if it's not, sorry. Thank if you not, anyway. leave us another review. No, <laughs> and then Allie from Texas said, uh, this podcast is a must for any Predators fan. As a diehard Preds fan living in Houston, these guys keep me up to date on everything Predators. They are funny. Thank you. Wow. Easy to listen to, the dulcet tones, <laughs> informative, and very knowledgeable about hockey in general and the Preds. Specifically, I look forward to listening every week. Allie, we look forward to giving you she all the She must be listening info. to a different show. <laughs> <laughs> Allie, that's very sweet of you. Thank you for the rating and subscribing. We certainly do appreciate it. We appreciate all of you who listen every week to all. If you've listened to 98 of these, then well done. Bless your heart. You're probably that's a long time. married to me. We, <laughs> if you've listened to all nine, Elizabeth. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, yeah. at least for a week, maybe two. We'll figure that out. We'll see. We're still going to be around almost every week, but hey, yeah. Thomas and Brooks need a day off. Max is going to quit if we don't give him a day off. So. <laughs> Max is like, are they done talking yet? All Just right. about. You're back in the studio, so send us. I'm home. back in the studio. I will take us home. For Thomas Willis, you can follow him at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. I'm Brooks Bratton. You can follow me at Brooks Bratton on Twitter. Put a period in between the first and the last name on Insta. You can tweet us anytime, hashtag Preds Podcast, and continue to follow at Preds NHL. Even in the offseason, things are still going to happen, so stay tuned there. It's been a pleasure to have you alongside on episode 98 of the POP. For more, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. We'll figure out a guest in the future. We'll figure out more fun things to talk about. Again, we really do appreciate you being on this ride with us. 1920 season in the books. And we'll bring you whatever's next very soon. <laughs>